We're joined by uh, Nick Worse, who is a member of the uh, Railroad Workers United. We lost, we last talked to Nick back in uh, December, uh, right after uh, President Biden had gotten the uh, strike by the uh, railroad workers, to, you know, declared illegal to prevent that from occurring. We talked to uh, Nick about some of the labor and some of the safety type issues, and of course, recently with the derailment back on February 3rd of the uh, train in um, East Palestine, Ohio, and the resulting decision to burn off the uh, five uh, railroad uh, cars that contain vinyl chloride, very toxic, uh, made to use uh, plastics, and the resulting concerns about where is all that smoke going and the um, the health issues related uh, to it. We thought we'd invite Nick back on just both to talk about what the you know railroad workers union and particularly are, are doing both about the continual push to make the railroad safe more safer and then any of the labor negotiations. So 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 Nick, what what has railroad workers um, United been doing in response to this uh, East Palestine situation? We sent immediately. Uh, we sent out information as quickly as we were getting it about um, what had happened with East Palestine. Um, the uh, the news, um, the the photos were obviously really bad the instant any railroader saw them. And so it was uh, um, a big job for us to, to try and get as much information out through actually a lot of the media um, contacts that we had made during the coverage of our contract fight. So we were able to to get a lot of information out there. And I think RWU actually played a really big role in, in um, getting eyes on East Palestine as, as quickly as possible and sort of answering the questions about the media, about uh, from the media and the public about how something this awful, uh, you know, this hu huge could happen. Um, so we've sent some members out there um, to see things uh, for ourselves. We've, um, uh, covered it in um, in our material, and we're we're raising again the some of the things that we've been campaigning on uh, for years, including um, limiting uh, train lengths and uh, train weights, um, uh, making safety upgrades, especially to trains and and cars that are carrying um, hazardous materials, and and uh, and sort of exposing the role that. That these big railroads and, and the federal government um, has played in sort of um, keeping effective regulation um, and industry changes from from taking place to prevent something like this. And uh, well, isn't one of the issues the uh, reduction in the number of of workers that the railroad uh, company will assign to these freight trains? Yeah, that's certainly part of it. Um, I think. There's there's the concerns about you know the reduction of of train crews, um, but I think also it's it's worth sort of making clear that uh, a lot of derailments are caused by mechanical issues in um, cars and in engines and in um, uh, and in the actual physical track itself and things like that and those are all things that are maintained and inspected by other crafts and these crafts have also faced massive um, job cuts in in uh, recent decades so I think you know it looks like it was an, an axle that failed uh, a bearing that failed and then caused the whole axle to fail that caused the the derailment in East Palestine that could have been caught by a uh, 
a car inspector, if there were enough car inspectors and if they were given enough time to inspect things, you know, who knows, maybe it developed in transit. Um, we're not exactly sure, but that train was also sitting, you know, uh, that, that train had to be recrewed three, I think it was three different times before, you know, it, it actually derailed. It didn't make it to its destination, but, you know, it could have anything to do with, you know, the fact that, those, that bearing heated up and then cooled down and heated up and cooled down multiple times before, uh, you know, before it met its end, so to speak. So, yeah, certainly um, not just crew sizes, but overall um, staffing of, of all crafts on the railroads is, uh, is a big concern. So, uh, you know, I was a community organizer around the Midwest in the late 70s, um, particularly with ACORN working in Iowa. And train derailments was a big problem in a lot of our particularly low-income neighborhoods. Um, and it was very clear that they were not investing properly and, and, and track maintenance. And I know Barry Commoner back in uh, 1980 when he ran for president citizens party made the point that at a minimum, we should at least nationalize um, the railroad tracks, if not the entire railroad uh, operation. And, you know, I understand the railroad uh, workers United have been raising the issue Yes, it's time for public ownership of of the railroads. Is that going anywhere at this point? Yeah, um, it's actually been. Um, we launched it uh, sort of after the contract fight. Um, you know, after after the federal government intervened in in our contract battle, um, but actually before the the East Palestine derailment, and we were raising it on on a number of different fronts um, from. Uh, you know, how it, how public ownership could help us fight for um, improvements on a number of different issues, uh, but safety w was one of those. And um, so, yeah, it's picked up a lot um, since the East Palestine derailment, um, sort of the naked greed of Norfolk Southern and other um, railroad companies has been very much on display. And so, this campaign to take take the railroads into public ownership and actually, you know, more than public ownership, you know, people's control and 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 put them at the service of moving goods and people as safely and quickly and efficiently as possible. It's getting a lot of, um, you know, uh, a lot of uh, um, it's resonating a lot with a lot of people. And one of the things we're doing right now is we're reaching out to all of these different organizations and individuals who have who have expressed their support for us um, during the contract battle and things like that, and asking them to uh, endorse and, and make statements in support of our campaign um, for public ownership. So um, so that's taking off. You know, it, it seems like it's it's every every other day a new organization or a new um, you know news source has has coverage of our of our campaign. So we only have about two and a half minutes left. So I'm going to ask you a two-part uh, question. One is, you know, is, is Congress, state, federal regulators likely to do anything? Or is it another case where in a couple of months it, it fades from the public consciousness and, you know, the industry gets to, to, to go? And then just so the second, any progress in some of the issues you were trying to raise back in December uh, with respect to the union contract? Or, or is that progressing in, in any sense of the imagination? Well, uh, maybe dealing with the second one first there a little bit. Um, so, uh, you know, the contract we got was, was uh, you know, didn't do anything to address the main issues. There's been a few things um, since then. Uh, a few different companies have 
made agreements with certain unions covering certain crafts to give limited amount of of sick days um, and things like that. But it's certainly not, you know, there's there the kinds of changes that that rank file railroaders have been looking for haven't haven't come. But there's there's signs of hope. Shortly after the contract battle, the president of one of the big, one of the larger railroad unions was actually ousted by a uh, by a rank and file campaigner um, named Eddie Hall, who won the president's uh, the president position in um, uh, Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen in um, uh, District 19 machinists. Um, we actually just got news yesterday that the Challenger slate. Um, of, of rank and file machinists, uh, uh, locomotive machinists and mechanics has has successfully, um, you know, qualified or uh, I forget the the technical term, but they're they're um, they're now uh, able to run in, uh, and to challenge um, the leadership in in their the elections there. So uh, I think the the rank and file is getting organized and people are looking towards uh towards how can we fight within our unions to to fight for the things we really need. Dashing really going to happen or is it in a paid yes. news headlines? Yeah, there's been a talk about a rail safety act. Um, there's holes that we can run freight trains through and it doesn't actually um, establish any any kind of meaningful uh, regulation. It just passes the buck to, to say, oh, you know, this individual or this committee will establish you know, regulations on this, that, and the other thing. Um, in reality, it's a lot of talk and not a lot of action um, that we're seeing right now. So we're still fighting um, for real, real regulation. Thank you very much, uh, Nick Wurst, uh, Railroad Workers United out of the uh, Boston area. And this has been uh, Mark Dunley for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine.